Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Good morning. It is Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019, and you are listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, we're going to be speaking with Miss Rebecca Landry, a missionary for Ablaze Ministries and the junior high youth minister at St. Anthony's in Bryan. And Becca came in early, so good morning, Becca. How are you? I'm fantastic, yes. Wonderful. But before we get started, let's... Welcome everyone listening to us on KEDC 88.5 FM, Hearn Bryan College Station, and also we welcome all our Central Texas listeners on KYAR 98.3 FM, Lorena Waco, and also those in the Palestine area listening to us on KINF 107.9 FM. And as usual, I am joined in the studio by our General Manager, Dr. Thaddeus Romanski. Morning, wow. Thaddeus. How are you? Hey, Deacon Mike. Thank you for throwing the uh, the doctor in there this morning. That always makes me feel, you know, really special. So thank you. Well, you Appreciate earned it. it. So I'll give the title correctly. Thank you. Um, we also have a phone call coming in to us from Waco. And uh, it is... Um, our new station director up in Waco, that's right, Robin Waters. So, Robin, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm glad to be with you guys. Well, how's the first uh, little bit on the job going for you? I can say it. It was awesome. Had a great day yesterday with the mass with the bishop over at St. Joseph celebrating the school's 125th anniversary, and then a. Uh, Got to hang out with Thaddeus and with uh, Caitlin and Dennis, uh, learning the, some of the, the ropes, I guess you could say, and uh, just uh, blessed to be part of uh, Red Sea Radio. What did you find so appealing for working with Red Sea Radio? Well, it's something I've always had an interest in. I actually uh, had met Dennis six or seven years ago, and uh, we, uh, I was involved with him in helping uh, get 98.3 started up here in Waco and actually did an internet search one day. I had a Catholic gift shop up in West, Blessings, and uh, had a little slack one day, and I, I typed in one time to Google, radio stations for sale, Waco, Texas, and one popped up. So I called Dennis, and Dennis says, no, there's no radio stations for sale in Waco. And uh, Long story short, uh, here we are. And uh, I think that uh, these are these blessings that God gives us that if we seek, we find. And um, it's always wonderful that when things work out like that, especially for the community in uh, Waco right now, being blessed by being able to have a Catholic radio station up there. We, we are so blessed, and it's, uh, I just think it's such a great tool of evangelization to to uh, show folks how proud we are of our faith and, and the truth that we can uh, 
can share with others, uh, you know, regardless of whether they're Catholic or, or some other denomination, or even if they're not a believer in the Lord. Uh, uh, I know every time I turn the radio on uh, and listen to 98.3, I learn something about myself or my faith. And that, I think, is the whole point of having Catholic radio. It is allowing us the opportunity to expand our horizons in our faith. And uh, the multitude of programming that we have available is a constant source of information, but also a constant source of spiritual awakening because we recognize things that we may have known and forgotten or things that we had never heard that way before. So um, I think that it's wonderful that you are so enthusiastic about doing this. Well, it's just such a blessing for me. I, uh, I'm currently in the Akin formation with the Diocese of Austin, and I'm about halfway through the process. And uh, I really needed, um, I had a job that I was, uh, uh, I could see God in the people I dealt with every day but I really needed to be more immersed in the faith on a really minute-by-minute basis. And uh, when this came up, uh, actually my wife, the Holy Spirit, through my wife, uh, she was doing some gardening, listening to 98.3 on her phone one day, and she called me at my job at the time and says, "Uh, I just found a new job for you. And uh, I said, what is it? She said, well, I need a new station director over 98.3. And, and except for radio experience, you have all the qualifications. <laughs> I said, so what are the qualifications? She said, basically, I know your faith, love your faith, evangelize the faith. I said, I can do that. Well, I want to say thank you on two counts. One, for saying yes as, to your wife's urging for being a station director. And second, for saying yes to explore the diaconate. Well, thank you as well, because I... Uh, you know, I've met you before through uh, through the diaconate. You've actually been one of our instructors, and very much enjoyed your classes. and And uh, I can just say, uh, please continue to pray, pray for me and our entire class, so that we continue to surrender ourselves to the Lord and uh, allow Him to form us into the man He wants us to be. Hey, I wanted to let our listeners in on a little piece of inside intelligence that I was given that. Uh, Robin, on his second day of work, is already taking the lowest place, you might say, because uh, running a small Catholic radio station such as this, you have to take on a lot of unexpected job duties and unexpected responsibilities that aren't, you know, black and white written on your your uh, job responsibilities form. He's uh, he's killing wasps right now outside of the <laughs> tower site in Waco. Uh, he was detailed to that duty by, uh, well, that person will remain nameless who put him up to that, <laughs> to that job. But, uh, Robin, you're already taking up, uh, just whatever is being thrown at you. And that is a great, a great quality. And we're very appreciative of, of you starting with us. And, um, we thank you very much for that. Well, I thank you. And, you know, if, uh, if the number of wasps out here are any, any, uh, inclination as to how much wasps love the Catholic faith, then, then they love it very much. I can tell you that. Let's tell ourselves that they're an indication of how many people are listening. So that that's good because there's a lot of wasps out there this morning. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, well, thank you for calling in this morning and letting us get to know you a little bit better. And best of luck in your new job. Thank you, Deacon. God bless you.
All right. Um, as we continue, want to remind everyone of the benefit dinner coming up for Red Sea Radio. Um, it will be Thursday, November 7th at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church, beginning at 6.30 p.m. That's when the doors open. Dinner starts at 7. And Thaddeus, why don't you talk to us a little bit about our speaker? Sure. So this is the benefit dinner for KEDC 88.5 in the Brazos Valley and Bryan College Station, uh, Franklin, Hearn, those surrounding communities. This is November 7th at St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station. Same place as we have had it for a number of years now. St. Thomas Aquinas is always very gracious to host us there. We're inviting you to come and, in all things, give thanks. Uh, sort of an anticipation of Thanksgiving Day that happens at the end of November each each year. And so we're going to have a Thanksgiving-style meal for you, very rich, very sumptuous meal uh, to thank you, our donors, who keep us on the air and make the Catholic broadcasting that we do possible. Um, and our speaker is going to be Father Albert Haas, the Franciscan friar who is the chaplain at Cedar Break Catholic Retreat Center in Belton. That is the Diocese of Austin's very own retreat center. He'll be coming to speak to us about four um, attitudes or virtues of contemporary holiness, one of them being gratitude. So he's letting that s slip already that that's going to be one of them. And then he's got three others in the, uh, in the background that, that he's not revealing yet. Um, but there's a, people have a, around here have uh, heard him speak at parish missions and uh, people have gone to retreat at Cedar Break. And he leaves people with a very positive impression, impression and uh, helps people grow in their in their spiritual life and so we're hoping to um to do that for all of our donors who maybe haven't had a chance to interact or hear from father albert before and it's going to be a wonderful event the last few have been just absolutely outstanding yes. and we're going to if nothing else improve and uh, always trying to get better so yeah. if you have not yet bought your tickets or sponsored a table mm -hmm. go to red sea uh, radio.org slash benefit mm -hmm. sign up and uh reserve your space because you don't want to miss this and i'm quite sure the tickets are going fast so it's quickly. starting to fill up it's starting to fill up we're, we're we're getting more and more table reservations we're getting more and more ticket sales um but there's still room but again don't tarry. Don't tarry. Um, get in there. Get your tickets. $25 a ticket. Sponsor a table. We're still looking for that elusive $5,000 table sponsorship. So someone out there wants to to do that, uh, we'll be very grateful for that. Very excited about that. We're grateful for all the support that we get. This is a thank you to you, our donors. This is your radio station. We put a premium on localizing the content. We want to be a presence in the local community. We want to bring the parishes together. We want to fortify, strengthen uh, the Catholic community here in the Bryan College Station area, and in Waco as well, and in Palestine. Emphasizing the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Yes, indeed, indeed. All right. One of the things we've been doing is talking about a saint of the day or the week, and um, this week is just chock full of feast days and memorials. Uh, we didn't actually celebrate it. 
But last Sunday was the feast day of the Archangels, which is technically my feast day since I'm named Michael. And That's my middle name, too. And so it is the three Archangels, Michael and Raphael and um, Gabriel, Gabriel, the patron saint of radio stations. And uh, But we also had yesterday uh, the feast of St. Therese of Lisieux. And um, Monday, we had the feast day of St. Jerome. Mm-hmm. And, of course, today is a feast day of the guardian angels. Mm-hmm. But I thought we'd spend just a minute talking about St. Jerome, because J- St. Jerome is extremely important in the faith, because he was the one who was commissioned by uh, Pope Damascene to translate the scriptures into the vernacular of the time, Latin. We talk a lot about the church and uh, scripture being in the vernacular, that Latin was actually supposed to be the vernacular when it was originally written. And so he spent 30 years in a cave in what is the Church of the Nativity and translating all the Old Testament, all the New Testament, writing commentaries and his translation was the official translation of the church for almost 1,600 years. That is an impact. Um, we went on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and we went into the cave, and it is not a big place where he spent 30 years translating the scriptures. Now, uh, one of the things when I was looking at this that I found interesting was there's three versions online of the Vulgate. There is the um, uh, Clementine Vulgate from uh, Pope Clementine. There's the Stuttgart edition of the Vulgate. And there is the Nova Vulgata, which is the new one, uh, which has um, been translated at the behest of uh, St. John Paul II. And... um, the way you tell the difference is how they spell Eve in the book of Genesis. Uh, the Vulgate uh, from Clementine has it Heva, H-E-V-A. The Stuttgart edition has it H-A-V-A. And the Nova Vulgata has it as E-V-A, Eva. So if you're looking online and you're reading the Vulgate and if you want to know which one it is, look at the way they spell Eve. We're going to take a short break in a few seconds, and as we come back, we're going to be talking to Miss Rebecca Landry from Ablaze Ministries, and we will see you on the other side. And we're back, and as promised, we're going to be talking to Miss Rebecca Landry, a missionary for Blaze Ministries and the Junior High Youth Ministers at St. Anthony's. Before we get into this, um, Thaddeus wanted to share something that happened at the 
Mass yesterday for St. Joseph's 125th anniversary. Yeah, St. Joseph's was uh, privileged to have uh, His Excellency Bishop Joe Vasquez there celebrating that momentous occasion. And uh, he spent part of his homily um, speaking on the topic at hand of the 125th anniversary, and then he spent the last little bit noting that it was indeed St. Therese's uh, feast day, St. Therese of Lisieux. And he uh, spoke to some of the little uh to the children there are gathered for mass. And uh, he asked them at one point, uh, does anyone know where St. Therese is from? And uh, a young man, I believe it was a young man, uh, maybe seven, eight years old, something, maybe six, seven years old, something like that. He, uh, he spoke up very confidently and he said, the zoo. <laughs> and uh, Bishop Joe just, just went on and, and just said, no, no, not, not at the zoo is very, very kind. And I we, you know, we were broadcasting on the radio, and I said to myself in my head, zoo, why would he say the zoo? And I said that to myself a few times, and then it dawned on me, the zoo, the zoo. He obviously <laughs> heard, it. that's how he heard it in his, in his mind, that she's from the zoo. Aww. She's the, the saint of the zoo. And I just, I cracked up, you know, it's beautiful. Um, just, just such a charming story. So remember that, folks. Saint Therese of the Zoo. Exactly. So <laughs> we, she's the new patron saint of zookeepers. Oh my goodness! Okay. And foolish people that walk into lions dens. Uh, as promised, here is Rebecca Landry. Becca, how are you this morning? I'm wonderful. I, uh, I, I drove back from Dallas last night and decided to get a good night's rest before coming in, and I'm doing great. So you're not going to nod off on the air. Not Good. At not at all. <laughs> Wonderful. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I um so I'm a, a local youth minister. I've been working in youth ministry for 5 years now. Um 2 years out in Brenham at St. Mary's and 3 years at St. Anthony's. Um I absolutely love my job. I love being able to share. I, I say this all the time. I get to share the greatest news with the greatest kids. Um, I, uh, I went to A&M for a number of years. I, uh, I graduated with a, a couple degrees in philosophy and psychology, and, um, I got a degree in associates in American sign language. So that's pretty fun. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the degree in philosophy, uh, we had to take philosophy in order to get a degree in theology. I wouldn't and so... It was fascinating to me that the connection between the, uh, between the two is intimate. Right. You can't absolutely. do theology without philosophy, but basically all the answers to philosophy are theological right. answers. Exactly, exactly. And so uh, how much did that education in philosophy help you in your ministry? A lot. Um, honestly, a lot of it came from... Um, an ability just to present arguments correctly. I mean, that's actually how I got started in philosophy. Instead of taking a math, I took logic. And taking logic helped me form those arguments, and um, and I, I loved doing that. Um, and then also I, I kind of took to the metaphysical side of things. I really love metaphysics, the questions that are outside of science. And um, we can't necessarily prove, quote unquote, those answers. But the way that we answer them really shapes our lives. It affects how we live our lives as to, you know, whether or not God exists. And and then from that, the theological question of like, okay, God exists. Does he love us? And um, and it, it kind of changed everything about about that. And I think this is an important thing 
in youth ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, so many times the young people are inundated with this, the notion that science gives you all the answers. Mm. And we're presented with this idea that if I cannot prove it materially, it doesn't exist. And yet all of us are aware of the fact that there are things that we constantly deal with in life that are not right. Absolutely. provable. Absolutely. And, and, and that's where, you know, like we have to accept that faith will not and should not contradict science. And, and you know, if there's something that we can't necessarily prove physically, we should look for other ways to prove that or to believe that it's true. And I think it's important to remind the young people that it is usually the things that are not material that affect our life the most, that we respond to, that we have to orient our life towards. Exactly. Very good. Um, are you a cradle Catholic? I am. I was born and raised Catholic. We, we moved around a lot. My mom was in the military. And everywhere we moved, we, we found a Catholic church. And it, it was really awesome because the church that we were in when we lived in Texas um, was kind of more on the progressive side of things. They had like a life teen mass. They had um, more instruments in their choir, I guess. Um, and, and when we moved to Alabama, it was kind of a mix between the more traditional and the more um, progressive. And then when we moved to Virginia, it was like Latin mass parts. It wasn't a high Latin mass or low Latin mass. Um, it was still... Um, the Novus Ordo, um, but it was it was m very much more on the traditional side, and it was cool to to get all of those different experiences and find a love for um, both of them. Earlier, you were talking about Saint Jerome and and like the Latin being the vernacular, and I love I love Latin chants and I love the Latin language and um, and how it it can present the faith in a in a different way, and uh, and so getting all of those experiences throughout my whole life was was really beautiful. What point of your faith journey did ministry begin to be a viable option for you? Yeah, I um, I was in gymnastics pretty much my whole life until uh, until about seventh or eighth grade, and when I left, I was wondering what I should do. So I, I my parents had a piano, and I learned a song on the piano. My parents were like, "This could." this could do something like she can do something with this. And, uh, and in high school, I actually, we went back to the parish that I was at when I was younger, when we lived in Texas, um, and started joining the life teen band, um, doing music at mass. And I went to youth group every single week, even though I didn't need to, I had already been confirmed. And my youth minister saw something in me and our music minister saw something in me and they really helped me, um, shape my life into someone who was, I mean, they discipled me. That was really what it was. And, uh, and I loved ministry, but I didn't really know that it was an option. And when I moved to College Station for college, um, I, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story. I locked my keys actually here in the St. Mary's Student Center, needed a ride the next morning. And Matt Rice, who's now my boss, um, picked me up because he was with my friend and he told me all about Ablaze Ministries. And I was like, okay, this, this must be where the Lord is leading. Um, and that's kind of when it became a real, a real tangible possibility for me. And Simone Biles is breathing a sigh of relief that she went <laughs> into ministry. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. So you mentioned Matt Rice and Ablaze. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about Ablaze and what the purpose is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as of right now, the national average for turnover in youth ministry is 18 months. 
So typically a youth minister will go into a parish and less than two years later, they're burnt out. They're sick of youth ministry. They didn't realize how much work it was, that it was a full-time job, that there were administrative tasks that were involved with that. And and um, a lot of times there's just kind of a lack of support um, within a parish community or within um, a parish staff. And, um, and so Ablaze was started to actually create a community of youth ministers who were um, whose job it is to uphold each other um, and to help each other in difficult moments so that we don't burn out of youth ministry. Um, and we're all missionaries, so we, we tend to go into parishes who either can't afford um, super high-quality youth ministry or, um, or who maybe can but can't provide the entire team. Um, and so we actually fundraise our salaries in order to offset the cost for parishes. Um, and we're placed in a parish, and the youth ministers that are placed in that parish become an actual um, active member of that community. So, I mean, you know, I've been at St. Anthony's for three years now and, um, and been involved in that community. And, um, and so it's, yes, I'm employed by Ablaze Ministries, but I really feel like an actual part of the St. Anthony's community, and I love that. Um, and so even when turnover does happen within Ablaze, we try and, um, and not make that so difficult for the parish, not bring in an entirely new program, an entirely new um, way of doing things, but rather it's just a new person. Um, and the quality of the youth ministry and the um, the type of youth ministry that we do, that comprehensive youth ministry, is uh, is stays consistent throughout the entire um, process. Yeah, that brings to mind, Becca, that um, you the the changeover nationally. Probably some of that also has to do with the nature of most youth ministers are themselves young people, right? Right, because there's going to be a natural affinity for high school. With, with a younger person, maybe post-college person, and those people are themselves in a, a, a changeable part of their lives where they're, right. they're maybe discerning marriage, they're actually getting married, and that's requiring them to leave that position, or they're deciding to go into the seminary or religious life of some, of some sort. So even if it's not a, a negative cause of burnout, there's still going to be naturally a lot of changeover. And so that's all preface to, I think, what's good about a blaze is that it means that even if let's say you left in this next two years or something like that for a good reason somebody from a blaze with that a blaze outlook that same formation that same program that same approach is going to is going to come come in and, and fill your place and it's not going to be that that rupture right every every two years um right. speak to the in, importance of that a little bit more yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, Deacon Mike and I have been talking about this a lot recently, that discernment is never between a bad and a good. It's always between a good and a good. And so whenever someone decides to discern out of a blaze, um, the importance of keeping the program and, and the style of youth ministry for the most part the same is, I, I mean, it's through the roof. It's if If a youth is used to a certain way of doing things by coming in and experiencing praise and worship and experiencing adoration and experiencing hearing a talk and then actually going into small groups and being used to discipleship, then that shouldn't change for the youth drastically um, from youth minister to youth minister um, because they'll be used to a certain way of doing things. They'll get to know their small group leader. They'll, they'll learn to love that discipleship model. Um, and then if it drastically changes, they might actually be turned away from, from the faith or from youth group. Um, and so it's extremely important to keep things consistent um, 
And and I love that a blaze does that for the most part in a, in a really, really um, healthy way. Uh, because if, if I did leave, I would want to make sure that it's, it's not because I, I don't like St. Anthony's or I don't like a blaze or I don't like youth ministry. I love all of those things, but it's just because I know that the Lord is leading me somewhere else. And so I would want to make sure that, that my youth are taken care of, that their new youth minister, that the, the youth ministry that's going to be coming in will still be consistent, will still foster discipleship and community within that. And I think especially when dealing with young people, that sense of continuity speaks to basically telling the young people you can trust God. Right. And then anytime something happens that diminishes that idea, you know, a drastic change in their life, like your youth minister leaving, if you can't do that and maintain that sense that you can still trust God, that everything's taken care of, that this is going to work out, you're somehow harming Mm -hmm. what you're trying to teach them. And so I think it's really important to keep that in mind the way you're doing that, you know, how we relate with the young people is part of the message. Right. Absolutely. It's it's extremely important to to keep in mind that that the youth will oftentimes see me as not not a ro- not like a replacement parent or anything like that. I never want to replace the parents. They're extremely important and we want to minister to them as well. But they see me as as a trusted asset to um, how they can grow in their faith. And that's how I want them to see me. I want them to see me as a guide, as a discipler. Um, and so if if anything ever does change over, I would I would never want to jeopardize that specific thing because ultimately my job is not to necessarily be the coolest youth minister or be um, you know the the most influential person in their life. My job is to give them the opportunity to encounter Christ every single time that I meet them. And if I ever leave and someone has to come and replace me, that should be their goal as well. Again, we're talking to Rebecca Landry, missionary for Blaze Ministries. And if you have something that you would like to add to the conversation, give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. Now, you're not uh, the oldest person I've ever met. <laughs> and... Uh, and I didn't want to mention, but, uh, you know, by 24, St. Teresa of Lisieux was declared a doctor of the church. You know, I'm just putting that out there. That's a lot of pressure. But uh, <laughs> I got like two months. But how challenging is it, you know, coming in to youth ministry at, you know, a fairly young age? But, you know, not only is it a challenge— but also it's a benefit because the young people see this is something I could be doing. Right. So talk a little bit about the challenges and then the benefits of age and um, how that works. Yeah. Um, so I started in youth ministry when I was 19. Um, that's when I got my job at The Blaze. And, uh, and I really wanted to work with high schoolers because that was when I encountered Christ for the first time. Um, on a on a deep emotional level, but being 19, I I was too close to them in age. So I worked with middle school, and I have been for the last five years, and I love it. Um, I think that that being a young person, um, when it comes to the youth, is a huge benefit because there's just a natural like I'm kind of within their 
generational knowledge and and kind of know what's cool. It's interesting now being 23 and and trying to use some of the words that they use and they're like, "Ew, that's gross. You shouldn't use that." <laughs> uh, because, you know, I'm I'm old to them, I guess, which is weird. Um, so when it comes to actual youth ministry, doing youth ministry and being their um, being their youth minister, that's pretty easy. Um, I think that the challenge comes in with the parish community and and building trust because a young person comes in and is a part of the parish staff, um, and and I think that in a lot of ways young people have to fight to gain that trust a lot more. Um, but I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. I just see it as a challenge. Um, and and it's pretty typical for any young person starting a new job, you know, kind of coming in on that entrance level and um, and having to actually like gain that trust. And and it all comes through the youth. It comes from I mean, the youth are advocates for the youth ministers. The small group leaders are advocates for the youth ministers. The parents are advocates for the youth ministers. And um, and you in particular are a huge advocate for me uh, at St. Anthony's and and. I think that that's huge that like you get to see a lot more of the behind the scenes of what we do. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of difficult sometimes when people see us as, you know, the young people that play games with our kids. And, and it's like, no, even if that's all you see, there's an importance to playing games with the youth and building that kind of community so that they will build trust and so that we can actually minister to them. So I think that the benefit um, comes in actually ministering to the youth and the challenge comes in with building trust with the community. Now, both on a personal and a spiritual level, what's the best part of youth ministry for you? Ooh, on a personal level, I think that it's, I think it's knowing that I get to spend time with young people who I, I can see something in them, right? Like I can see that some of the youth are just like right on the verge of that deep encounter with Christ. Um, and then honestly, it's just a lot of fun hanging out with young people. It's, it's so fun seeing them in the way that my youth minister and my worship leader from when I was in high school, the way that they saw me, I can see them and I can see the gifts that they have and I can start inviting them into those things. Um, and, and honestly, I love working with a lot of my friends out of blaze and seeing what they're doing in youth ministry and, you know, we kind of share ideas with each other. Um, and on a spiritual level, it's, I love challenging myself to be the best Christian that I can be so that I'm, I never have to be fake with my youth. I, I strive to never be fake with them. And, and I can't, there's no way that I can invite them into a relationship with Jesus Christ if I don't have a relationship with him on my own. Um, and so that's been huge. And, and specifically out of Blaze, every single morning we start with staff prayer. So we have 30 minutes of, of prayer that one person on the staff will plan. Um, and it doesn't, you know, supplement our personal prayer lives. It's, it's in addition to that. Um, but beginning our day in prayer, beginning our day by coming together as a community and praying um, is, is absolutely beautiful. And Ablaze, in a in a large way, taught me how to have a, a daily prayer life. And now I get to share that with my youth. Before I became DRE, I had absolutely no knowledge of praise and worship. Uh, you know, for me as a Catholic, that was sort of a Protestant thing. Right. For the old people out there like me, 
Would you explain praise and worship mm-hmm. and how it relates to our spiritual life and the Mass? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that, that praise and worship at its, at its core is what we're meant to do. I mean, we at every single time at Mass, we, we join with the angels and saints and we sing praises to God. Um, the style of music has drastically changed over the last, I mean, 10, 20 years. Um, but it's, it's something that's really beautiful because music is something that is kind of universal to everyone. Everyone has their style of music that they like. Everybody has, uh, every like country and, and culture has a style of music that they, that they sing, that they play. Um, and, and we as Christians do the same. We have a set of songs and I love explaining it to my youth in this way that, you know, I'll ask them like how many of them like, like music and I'll ask them to name different love songs and, you know, all kinds of love songs from, you know, Taylor Swift to, well, I guess kids don't really mention John Mayer anymore, but it used to be that way. Um, just all kinds of love songs from the radio, they'll mention them and, and I'll mention to them, you know, that, that praise and worship is a love song to God and and it's a recognition of who we are in relation to him uh, and I think that that music allows us to to reach ourselves on an emotional level and connect with God on that more emotional level and not every youth is going to love praise and worship not every youth is going to love to sing um, but it's how I encountered Christ was through praise and worship and adoration um, and it's it's beautiful because when you start singing these songs I mean I could mention the song here I am Lord which is a hymn uh, and I'm pretty certain that everybody who heard the title of that song could could start to sing it. And it's because when we put words to a melody, we're j- we're just able to remember it easier for some reason. Um, and and that's so beautiful. So when we don't have to think so much about where the song's going, we just get to allow ourselves to listen to the words and to sing the words and and to be who we are. You know, that's it's a it's a different way of connecting with the Lord on a special level. Um, and especially because most praise and worship comes from the scriptures. I mean, that's where, that's where a lot of it comes from. Um, and so we're actually using the words that the prophets used to praise the Lord and that David used to praise the Lord um, in order to praise him even now. And I think that's just absolutely beautiful. When you prepare a program for the young people, how do you plan program so that when— you have it in place. You have a goal. You know where you would like for them to go. What sort of thoughts go through your mind as you're preparing? You know, is it, you know, what will they connect with? What will speak to them? Things like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so whenever whenever I plan a youth night or, or when I'm planning a program for them, a lot of times I'll meet with my core team members and I'll ask them what the youth need because they're the ones who are discipling the youth. Um, and what we'll do is is we'll think about like what is the overall goal of this semester. And and my personal goal um, for every single youth night is to provide an opportunity for the youth to encounter Christ. That is that is like my goal. And if we do that, then it's been a successful youth night because I want them to be able to respond to the Lord. But when it comes to an individual youth night, we'll come up with a specific goal. For that youth night, um, and so for example, um, we this last youth night that we had, the goal was to teach the kids about um, the 
penitential rite, the Gloria, and the Collect, the prayer said before um, going into the Liturgy of the Word. So that was one of the goals. But the other one was to invite them into the community of the church that is always there. And so we we have that kind of goal. Um, and then when it comes to, you know, whether or not we do praise and worship, what kind of game we play, what kind of talk we're giving, um, we look at more of the psychological side of things. So like middle schoolers don't really have an attention span longer than eight to 10 minutes. And, and even at 10 minutes, you have to keep hooking them back in. And so we try and, you know, keep our talks to 10 minutes and base it primarily off of testimony because testimony is way more powerful than, than like reading from, from like the catechism or something with, with youth. Um, specifically because they want to know the stories of what we've gone through. And um, and this semester in particular, we're talking about the Mass, and so we're doing it through the theme of the summit. And so it's all about hiking and mountain climbing, and, and I've, I, I just love it. Um, and so we kind of look at all of those different things, and we, we think about, okay, do we want to play a game that connects to the message, or do we want to play a game that's just going to get them, you know, their energy running and um, and kind of get them excited about the youth night. So there's a lot of things that go into actually planning the youth night, um, but then when we, when it comes to like the talk and praise and worship, we look for things like if, if they only took one thing away from this talk, what would it be? And we're going to repeat that message throughout the youth night. Um, when it comes to music, we want to pick songs, especially for middle school youth that are fairly repetitive. We don't want to be, you know, super wordy with, with all of the songs because we don't want them to have to focus too much on, you know, where the song is going. And, um, and so there's a lot that goes into planning it, but. Um, but when you've got a rock star core team and, and they really love the youth and they know what they need, then you can kind of rely on them. Again, we're talking to Rebecca Landry, a missionary for Ablaze Ministries and the junior high youth ministers at St. Anthony's here in Bryan. How important are retreats in youth ministry? Mm. I think they're extremely important. Um, an average youth will most likely spend their weekend um, kind of doing nothing or playing video games or whatever until the very tail end, and that's when they, like, rush to do their homework, or they'll be doing their homework. And um, and so what a retreat does is, I mean, you look at, at like, wars and battles, and, and when they call a retreat, it means that you pull back and you kind of regroup and you and you remember why you're doing what you're doing. And it provides an opportunity to kind of rest from the battle and and then to go in even stronger. And so what we do when we when we're talking about Christian retreats and and going off for a weekend, um, it's allowing the youth to kind of pull themselves away from the day to day life, the craziness of everything, and provide them with with a deeper encounter with Christ. So you know every youth night we've got an hour and a half, but on a retreat we've got you know at least twenty four hours. Um, and so providing them with with a deeper opportunity to, to spend time in small groups and, and more discussion with one another and actually allowing them to kind of pull back, remember why they're at youth group, remember why they're in the youth program and remember why they're a part of the Catholic church. Um, and, and giving them, you know, the resources to understand why the Catholic church is true and understand that, that Jesus wants a relationship with you wherever you're at. Like, you don't have to be perfect before going to Jesus. In fact, it's the complete opposite, that, like, we, we need to turn to Jesus in everything, especially when we are in difficult moments and when we are, um, you know, kind of stuck in sin. And so retreats are, are allowing them to do that and then return to, you know, this spiritual battle that's being fought for us, return to um, our day-to-day life. And, uh, and, you know, it's funny, retreats only last for a weekend, but honestly, a lot of times they'll, 
they'll feel so much longer because there's so much that's being jam-packed in there. Um, and it's so beautiful. And then as we continue in youth group, you know, we get to kind of debrief that throughout the, we get to debrief that throughout all of the youth nights and, and understand them a little bit more, um, and kind of dive into deeper relationship with them. Was there a retreat in your life that really stood out that changed your view of your spiritual life? Absolutely. Um, so my first encounter with Jesus on a more emotional level, on a more like on a deeper level, was at an axe retreat, uh, a teen axe retreat that was put on by my home parish in shirts. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and I went on that retreat going into my freshman year of high school. That was my first retreat ever. Um, I, I don't think I had ever been on a retreat before. And it, it started on Thursday and ended on Sunday. So it was a pretty long retreat for a high schooler. Um, but there was something about, I remember we were in this small room and Jesus was on the altar and they offered confession at the same time. And so I was sitting in this room feeling so bad about myself and feeling like I was kind of just lost and I had been stuck in sin and just desiring so many things other than Jesus. And, and I decided to go to confession and so I spent time in adoration, kind of reflecting on all those things, examining my conscience and, and thinking of all the things I had done wrong. And I went to confession and came back a completely new person and was able to sit back in front of Jesus and just let him look at me. And, you know, for, for the next four years of high school, I, I made some really great friends that had been on that retreat. Um, I went on more and more action retreats throughout all of high school and built up a relationship with Jesus. And I remember I would go and sit in the in the adoration chapel in the back of our church and just sit there and listen to music and journal. And um, and it kind of changed everything. I mean, it, it did change everything about my relationship with Jesus. I actually wanted a relationship with him, and it, it all started from that retreat. Again, we're talking with Rebecca Landry, uh, missionary for Blaze Ministries and the junior high youth minister at St. Anthony's in Bryan, uh, if you have any comments on our conversation, feel free to give us a call at 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. When did you find that you wanted to share that enthusiasm, that realization that Jesus loves you? Mm. I think the initial desire to share it was immediately after the retreat. Um even on the retreat was just this, I knew that I wanted to share my experience. But when it came to sharing it on a more regular basis, I think it was um, after moving to college and and when I met Matt in, in the car when he picked me up from my apartment um, and he told me all about youth ministry, I kind of understood more of what it was. And I talked with my youth minister from back home and she told me what she loved about youth ministry, how she got to share her, her experience and her life with Christ. And I found that the more I shared my life with Christ, the more I wanted a life with Christ. Um, and I think that's just because we're meant for community. We're meant for being a part of, I mean, we are a part of the body of Christ. And so desiring to be with him, desiring to um, share him with other people is kind of intrinsic to who we are. Whenever we have an awesome experience, we naturally want to share that with other people. And um, 
And so the more that I shared my life with Christ with other people or with young people, um, the more I actually desired my relationship with Christ to grow. And so it's kind of this back and forth of, of always wanting to share and always wanting to grow in prayer. Um, and so, yeah. How important are the parents in youth ministry? So much more important than I am. So much more important than I am. I mean, we, we talk about how, you know, the family is the local church. It's the first place that a, that a young person, that a child will encounter Christ or, or should encounter Christ, um, right? The parents are the first catechists. They're the first ones who bring their children to church. They're the first ones who, who kind of teach them about who Jesus is. And, uh, and so they're, you know, I, I say this often that um, I know that parents are so extremely busy um, trying to keep everything together. But if they were if they were able to catechize in the, in the same way that I currently do, my job would look drastically different. Um, and and so there's, they, they are extremely important. If I'm not investing in the parents of my youth, then I'm not doing a good job as a youth minister, because in the same way that I should be equipping the youth to share their lives with Christ and to grow in their life with Christ, I should be encouraging the parents and giving them resources and and sharing with them how they can talk with their youth about difficult things. Because especially if it's if it's their first child, then you know when they get into high school and it comes to dating, you know how are they how are they going to share with their first kid what dating is all about? And so if we have those kinds of of resources and if we have that ability to invest in our parents and share with them ways that they can pray with their family, that they can revitalize the life of Christ within their family, then we should be doing that. There are some very sobering statistics out there. Uh, the last ones I read were that by 18, 50% of all young people now leave their the faith that they were raised in. And by 23, another third of those that stayed are also going to leave their faith. Right. How important is youth ministry? I think that youth ministry is extremely important um, because the youth, um, especially today, have a different relationship with their parents than I did with my parents. Um, they they're not afraid to share a lot of things with their with their parents. Um, in a lot of ways, they see their parents as their peers, as their friends, um, which which can have its perks, but also has its difficulties. Um, but youth ministry provides the ability for a youth to share something about their life in a safe space. And, and, you know, we begin a lot of our youth ministry things by telling them, hey, it's okay to question. Like if, you, if you're struggling with believing something about the faith, ask. Because it's, it's not a bad thing to ask these questions, to want to know the truth. We're all trying to seek truth. Um, and so when they, when they don't feel like they can ask these questions or when they don't feel like they're heard, um, a lot of times that's why they're leaving. I've been seeing a lot of... Um, a lot of worship leaders and a lot of um, married people who are getting divorced and leaving the church. And there was one post in particular that, that really struck me. And she said, you know, if I could have suffered along with the church and questioned my faith in the church, I wouldn't have left. And I was heartbroken by that because we, we should be fostering a community where we can celebrate with each other. We can suffer with each other. We can ask questions about the faith um, and not be afraid to ask those questions and so I think that youth ministry in a particular way allows young people to ask questions earlier and to to really question why they want a relationship with Jesus Christ in a safe place with well-formed adults 
who are able to walk alongside them and disciple them in a, in a very particular way that, um, that maybe a parent isn't able to do. Um, I look at myself in high school and um, the things that, that I, I, was, I was not afraid to share certain things with my small group leader or with my youth minister that I would have been afraid to share with my parents. And not that they were bad things, but just questions about the faith um, that I, I didn't know that I could share with my parents. I, I now know that I absolutely could have. Um, but, but it provided that safe place for me to be discipled and to grow in my relationship with Jesus. And now I'm 23 and I haven't left faith, so I guess I'm part of that one third of the fifty percent that stayed. <laughs> so, I think uh, one of the points you raised is the importance of youth ministers in your life, because it provided you a place to go and ask questions where you didn't have to go ask your parents. And I think this is something we really need to remember in any kind of ministry, especially when we're dealing with young people. Young people are trying to find their identity. They want to have their own identity, so they want to have the answers for their parents rather than ask their parents for the answers. And so having that opportunity to be in a safe place, to ask these questions is extremely important in developing that spiritual life. And so I don't think parents realize how important taking your kids to faith formation is really in keeping them in the faith because it does provide them that opportunity to ask those questions outside of the home. Absolutely. And I wanted to chime in and ask you, Becca, if you think part of it with parents um, not maybe taking up that mantle of being the first instructors of their children, is it a lack of confidence? Is it a lack of confidence on many parents' part that they don't feel like they have the knowledge, they don't feel like they have the prayer life, they don't feel like they've had the maybe the best personal history to be able to speak with verve and um, determination and um, love about the faith to their children? How much does that factor in? I actually think that that's probably the the biggest factor. Yeah. I I don't think that it's a it's a lack of desire. I don't think that any parent doesn't want their child to love Jesus or doesn't want their child to follow in the footsteps of the faith. Um, I I seriously doubt that that's it. Especially if they're bringing their kids to mass and bring them to youth group. It's not a lack of desire. I think that a lot of times it's it's a lack of um, of feeling like they can and not knowing how to look for answers or, or something like that. Like one of the things I tell my core team members is if your youth asks you a question in small group and you don't know the answer, don't try and like fumble through an answer and end up like hurting the situation. Say, I don't know, but I will find out and I will get back to you. And I think that, that, you know, when I look at my life as a young person, my parents were supposed to know everything, you know? And I think that that pressure is put onto the parents by their kids just wanting to believe that their parents know everything. Um, and so there's there's this difficult moment where the parents need to, um, or they feel like they can't give an answer, or they don't feel equipped enough. Um, but if the parent loves Jesus Christ and wants their child to love Jesus Christ, I think that that's a really good place to start. As we're nearing the end of this interview, and I can't believe the time's already running up. I know. If you had to describe Ablaze Ministries in an elevator talk, 
what would you say? Oh, man. I should know this. I do know this. I would say that we are an organization that strives to provide high-quality youth ministry to parishes in need and to form youth ministers to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to desire to bring youth into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and to equip parents to share the life of Christ with their children. Wonderful. Short elevator ride. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Now, as we're wrapping up, what do you want parents to know about youth ministries? I would say that if you look at the very first uh, quote of the catechism, talking about how God just gave himself to us, that's what that's all we're trying to do. Is Very to good. Bring them into that. Again, thank you to Rebecca Landry for joining us this morning. Again, next week, Gene Wilhelm will be the host of the Red Sea Roundup. Remember to tune in for that. Until then, when considering the many ways which we might share our time, talents, and treasure with the people of God, always round up. Round up.